We're moving through the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to cover 12 verses today, uh, the first 12 verses of chapter 12. I, I titled the sermon today, Fighting the Fear of Man with the Fear of God. We're fighting fear with fear, a lesser fear with a greater fear. This is the context of this sermon that Jesus is giving, and I just want to remind us with kind of the, uh, the pressure that is surrounding the, the, the teaching ministry of Jesus at this point in his ministry. As he went away from there, just f- being finished exhorting the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, they both began to press him hard, to trap him. They wanted to provoke him to speak about many things, and it says they were lying in wait for him. What is their goal here? They hate him. They want to silence him, discredit him, and if they can't do either of those, then they want to kill him. They want to catch him in something that he might say. This was not hard to pick up on. (laughs) It was uh, the elephant in the room. Jesus had angered these people, and these were the people who were not used to being called out. They were the ones who pointed the finger in this day. They were the ones who condemned. They were the ones who called people out and called them unrighteous. They were not used to this, and they were angered. They were hostile. So the first few verses I titled, uh, this won't make sense initially, but uh, it will in a little bit, I hope. Hypocrisy is like whispering into a microphone, okay? Let's see how this goes. Verse 1, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples first. So there's crowds, but he begins right here with his disciples, close in. He begins with this. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so that's our topic. That's, Jesus wants to give a warning, not to every single person out there. He's beginning with his inner circle, the twelve. And he speaks to them and warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees. So you have all these massive crowds. It's, it's getting so chaotic that people are actually trampling one another to get close enough to hear Jesus. They're, 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 they're becoming uh, so obsessed with hearing him and, and following him. The crowds are getting big and people are being trampled. So it's dangerous just trying to move around with Jesus. It's also dangerous identifying with Jesus, which is sort of an interesting thing. Huge crowds increasing hostility toward Jesus and those who follow. Uh, Those are contrasting realities, but increasingly so. The the more popular he is, the more he's hated, and the more they want to silence him and kill him. And he says, listen, guys, you need to be aware of something. There's something very dangerous, very subtle. It's, he describes it as leaven, right? Like in, in a, loaf, a, a lump of dough, just a tiny bit of leaven will move through all of that dough and cause it to rise. It doesn't take much. What's interesting about leaven is it's, it's very subtle, and many times it's undetectable. It can sneak in, and, and he says, this is the leaven of the Pharisees. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. How would we define hypocrisy? What is hypocrisy? A hypocrite is a pretender. Someone who, who holds up a mask, as it were, right? With the roots of the, of the Greek plays and all of that. You would hold a mask up. The hypocrite would play a character, but he wasn't really that person. A hypocrite is an actor, a pretender. One who holds up a false public persona but is privately totally inconsistent with that. Sometimes we think, well, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does another. Someone who tells people, go do this, but he himself doesn't do this. Hmm. Have you ever been a hypocrite? We all have. We're all guilty of this, are we not? There's a little leaven in all of us. And Jesus warns us of this. He's he's saying, be careful. Be careful. 
The Pharisees have allowed this leaven to infect all of their lives. They stand at a distance and they, they declare their own righteousness and they say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this one over here, the sinner, but I am righteous. But inside, are they righteous? Well, Jesus called them out last week. Inside, you're filled with corruption. You polish the outside of the glass. The inside has never been washed. Jesus, in Mark chapter 7, said, in quoting Isaiah, he says, this people, speaking to the Pharisees, referring to them as, as hypocrites, he says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then he says, in vain do they worship me. Wow. So just picture this. Here we are, worship team. We're standing together. We're singing words with all our might, loud as we can. And then the harmonies, and we're working that harmony, and we're, we're just in it. But our heart is not. We're hypocrites. It's very possible, dangerously so, to be in the church and just like the Pharisees. So lest we point the finger, we've got to be aware. This is a word for all of us today. Maybe most importantly, this guy who stands in the lights and speaks the word of God to all of you. Mm. This weighs heavy in my heart. If my sermon doesn't first meet me, I have no business to speak it to you. That was part of the work of the week, Lord. <laughs> Talk about hypocrisy. I don't want to stand up here and be a hypocrite. Work me over. Do your work. Let's go. So we, we're together in this. We need this word. Hypocrisy, let's build this out a bit. I, I love MacArthur's help on this. I studied some from his work on this passage. He said, hypocrisy focuses on outward appearances. It's, it's heavily focused on outward appearances. We see this in the Pharisees, right? It's, it's worried uh, constantly of, of, of examining and comparing with others. It's rarely is it worried about the vertical, how am I with the Lord? It's constantly dialing in. Where do I stand? How do I measure up? Who's more? Who's less? Right? And I emphasize those who I believe are less, and I try to uh, take on those who I think are more and, and puff myself up. Right? Hypocrisy obsesses to impress. It is obsessed with impressing people, winning favor, Winning applause. It does this. See that name on that jersey? Just in case you missed it, there it is again. I cannot stand that in football. That's one of my least favorite things. Is this? Come on. Praise me. I'm waiting for lightning bolts. Please don't ever do that. Kids, don't do that. And don't do this. The name you are to esteem above every name, is not your own. It's the name of Christ. Hypocrisy quickly finds fault in everyone else and rarely in oneself. This is the log and the speck. You're, you're trying to help someone. you got a sliver in your eye. Well, there's a log in mine that I'm ignoring, trying to help you get that sliver out of your eye. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy scorns those who point out inconsistencies. Humble people welcome and invite feedback. Tell me where you see error. Tell me where I am off base. Please, I invite that. I want that. Hip hypo uh, hypocritical people or proud people, they hate that. Now, they love to do that with others, but when it comes on to them, Oh, no, 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 no. Got nothing to say here. How dare you talk about me when you, right? You ever been there? 
the shield goes up. Hypocrisy sinfully deceives, and it's a trap for the soul. It's a trap. One of the most dangerous things about being a hypocrite is you rarely realize that you are. It's self-deceptive. Pride conceals hypocrisy behind a veil of judgment. It's toxic for your soul. A little bit of this leaven will send you to hell. Hypocrisy thrives in pride and the fear of man. I was trying to unpack, okay, what, what drives the mask? What is it? What's behind that? What motivates the mask wearing? It's pride. I want to impress. I want you to think well of me. I care everything about what you think. At the end of the day, that, if we're honest, that's what it is. I'm most worried about your thoughts of me, and so I will wear whatever mask. I will do whatever I have to do to try to win that favor and that applause. That's the fear of man. The fear of man is something that all of us battle, and few of us have actually stopped to consider. What is it? When is it functioning? Where do I see it? Fear of man. In Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man, it says the fear of man lays a snare. Think, think if you're a rabbit and you have a snare. It's out. The fear of man is like a snare for a rabbit. And you run through it and you are caught. The contrast is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. From the snare of the fear of man. Let me build this out because I, I speak from very personal experience. Years of my life, I squandered. And I squelched freedom with obsession about what other people thought of me. I was paralyzed by the fear of man. This is how it looked, at least in, in some ways for, for me. I want to be liked. I want to be like, I want people to like me, right? And I, I think early on as a young man, I battle these insecurities. I just feel insecure. I, I, I don't look like this person or that person. I just want to be liked. And so these insecurities became obsessed with, well, what do people think of me? I don't want to be hated. And this is the irony about the fear of man, is it can work this way or this way. And so I work overly, hard to be liked, and at the same time, I can try my hardest just not to be disliked. What does this look like for the believer? Well, for me, in a public school setting, the temptation was real. Just blend in. Don't stand out. Don't be that Jesus kid, that pastor's kid, that obedient to Christ kid when everyone else is laughing when everyone else is going this way or that, when everyone else is cussing or doing all kinds of things, just blend in. That, my friends, is the fear of man. It's the fear of man. The fear of man can also say, I want to I stand out. I want to be something. I want to be the guy, right? So here I am playing basketball. I, I, I had a, a lot of just natural... Uh, sports abilities, and, and I was good at basketball, and I was tall, and, and I played basketball for the fear of man. I wanted people to say, that guy is, that guy's impressive, and when they did, it felt good. It felt great. I want to blend in. I don't want to stand out too much. I want their praise but I don't want their critique. You see how much of a web this builds in your life? This is complicated. How far, how much attention, how, how much do I want to avoid, how much do I want to, to attract? I want to impress people. 
I want to be better than someone else to see someone playing basketball on the court with me, and, and then I just make it my ambition to show them up, right? I want to prove that I can beat them, that I'm better. Now, there's nothing wrong with good-spirited competition. It is altogether different than saying, my goal is to crush you and make you look bad. That's not righteous behavior. It motivates a lot of sports in our day. I wish I was like someone else. God, you gave me this body. It's got limitations. I just don't like what I got. I wish that I looked like this person or that I could do what this person does or this or that or this. That's the fear of man. It's the fear of man. I want to hide something about myself. I, I have these, these inadequacies. I have these fears. I have these struggles. I have this issue. I, I, I don't want anybody to know. So I, I make the mask and I put the smile on, right? Have you ever been here? Sunday morning, you're struggling. You're falling apart. You show up to church. You step out of the car. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. We're doing great. Kids have been fighting. It's a train wreck of a morning. You walk in frazzled, and then you throw the switch. Ah, oh, this mask feels wonderful. Everything is great. It's hypocrisy. But we've got to be aware of this tendency toward the mask. I want my mask when I'm focused here. I'm focused here. This is the fear of man. It's very real. We all battle it. I'm grateful by God's grace. He broke me in large part of this, this unaware. I was just unaware of, of bowing to the fear of man. And, and a lot of Bible school, those college years, he just opened my eyes to how much I worried about what people thought of me. I could have never done this right here. I'd have been an absolute mess standing in front of you. And you know what my biggest concern would be? Well, not you, but me. It's pride. Selfishness. Self-focus. And God, in His grace, just put a lot of that down in my life and set me free. Hmm. When am I tempted to wear the mask of hypocrisy? I want to ask you that question. Because all of us are. You might be at work. You might be at a family gathering. You might be at church. Right? When are you tempted to put that mask on? Jesus goes on and he says this, verse 2. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Hmm. What's he saying? Well, hypocrisy is never hidden. We fool ourselves with a mask. Then we might fool one another for a little while. You know, you can put a mask on and, and maybe trick a few people here or there. But you never are going to trick the Lord. He sees all. He sees the heart. He knows you. He knows every mask that you're tempted to hold up and wear. You ever been in a situation where, where you're supposed to whisper, but the person that is whispering to you is whisper shouting? Have you had that? It's super awkward. You're trying to be quiet, and they're like, Pastor, here's the thing. I was doing this, and everyone starts to turn. You're like, just, just talk. You're not actually whispering. That's like hypocrisy. There are no secret words spoken. There is no hiding from God. We live our lives before His face. We are, we are in His view always, every level. It's there. He sees all. And... The day will come when every single word we will answer for. Every thought and motive we will give account for. So don't think because you can fool a few people here or there with a mask that it's working. It's not working. 
what is Jesus saying? He's saying these Pharisees, these guys, their fancy robes, their polished up exterior, I see right through it. Like I see, see right through it. They are hollow, dead men. They are not righteous. Don't fall for that trap. Don't eat that leaven. There is a freedom that I would describe in, in just authenticity. Just be real. We're all a mess. We're all broken people. I think a lot of Paul, the Apostle Paul, it's a real wrestling for obedience, a fighting for submission and, and pursuit of the Lord. I love how he says, I boast in my weakness because when I am weak, he is strong. You don't have to pretend, friends. This is the place. If, if ever there should be a place on this earth where people can be real and broken and needy, it's the hospital of the church. Christ did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick, the needy the poor, the blind, the prisoner, the oppressed. Now, let me clarify this. I, I think there was a, a, a little abuse of this word that happened a few years ago. Uh, uh, you go to a brother, and, and the brother is in sin, and, and you say, brother, um, what you're doing is actually sinful and wrong. I, I'm pretty sure you know this, but, but I just want you to know that I, I care about you too much to not say something. And the brother responds and says, dude, I'm just being authentic. Okay? No, you're not. You're being sinful. Right? Don't, don't use I'm just being authentic as a get-out-of-jail-free card. You can't excuse your sin as authenticity. True authenticity is honest with the brokenness and the sin and the rebellion, and it takes it and it goes to Christ and says, I am not, you are. Save me, forgive me, help me, teach me to obey. I submit, I look to you. There is a freedom, a joyful freedom in finding this place and living from it. The grace of God meets us in our honesty with our brokenness, our frailty, our inability, our insecurity. I know this in my own story. It is so wonderful to be released from the captivity of the fear of man. Now, the comfort of fearing God, the comfort of fearing God. Verse 4, Jesus goes on, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into, into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Whoa. Now, these are sobering words. We're moving from talking about, you know, some hostility, some, some angry looks, some maybe you don't get dessert, we're done with this meal, get out, to he said kill the body. Now we're talking about life and death. Okay, um, Jesus, you, you just said that I shouldn't be afraid of people who want to kill me? That's no small thing to just swallow. You know, you don't just say, oh, yeah, cool, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's easy. No, it's not. That is a tough thing. Do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. What's he saying? I guess you could say it this way. This fear that they have as they see this increased opposition, this hostility, it is increasingly running the risk of being misplaced. You can lock in and focus on the opposition. Sometimes when we are opposed or, or, or we stand out for Christ or we take the brunt of, of jokes or mocking, it's easy to say, man, I, 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 just want, I just want people to like me. 
Like, don't, don't be mad at me. I don't like it when people are mad at me. So what am I going to do? Well, I, whatever they want, right? You guys tell me what you want, and I'll do it. We want you to walk away from Jesus. We want you to deny the faith. We want you to apologize for the gospel. We want you to say that homosexuality is actually wonderful and good and not a sin. We want you to endorse divorce. The halls of church history are filled with martyrs who faced situations just like this. Where did they find the strength to stand and say, no, I will not recant. Do your worst. I will not deny my Savior and Lord. He is my Savior. I will not apologize for the gospel. I'm loving you in speaking the words of truth. I will not call evil good. I will not call good evil. I stand. I can do no other. So help me, God. Where do you find that? That, that courage? You don't find that in the fear of man. You cannot find it there. You find it only in the fear of God. The fear of God. Here's a way of, of summing this up. Friends, death is temporary. Hell is forever. Hell is forever. So don't fear those who can kill you, and then that's all they can do. Feel, fear the one who can take your life and then sentence you to eternal fire in hell. This is Jesus' teaching, by the way, just in case we, we think that Jesus soft-pedaled hell. No, he's teaching again about hell. He's warning us to fear God. Fear God. We just have to note here, God kills. It's, it seems obvious, but we should, we should just see this. God kills in right, just action. He, he takes life. It's his. He gives life and he takes life. And he is the one who has the right to sentence rebellious sinners to the fires of hell. So, I mean, if there's anyone in reality that we should concern ourselves with, it's not the, the guy with the spear or the gun or the jail cell. That's temporary. It's the one who is Lord of heaven and hell. This is not Satan, friends. This is God the Father. <laughs> Satan never sentenced anyone to hell. That's what God the Father does. That is, He is the one who sends people to hell or grants them life through Jesus Christ and entrance into heaven. The fear of God. This is an interesting topic. It's a difficult one sometimes for us to wrap our minds around. Here's what I would say. Uh, it would be a, a, at least an attempt at a definition of the fear of God. This is a good fear. It's a healthy fear. It's a, 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 a fear that will ground your life as a believer. It's to treat God with the highest respect. To, to treat Him with the, the highest awe and regard and, and to obey Him submissively and joyfully. This is the fear of God. Reverence and awe, to revere Him, to see Him as the sovereign, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one with rights over my life, the one who has every right to sentence me to hell because I deserve it as a rebel, a lawbreaker. He is the one to whom we must look and esteem and when we do, friends, we find that He has made a way for rebels and lawbreakers to be forgiven. We, 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 when we regard Him in this way, we find that He is a God who has shown us mercy and grace and love. And that is only in Christ. It comes to us in Christ alone. That there's hope for sinners and rebels and lawbreakers.
the fear of the Lord. All oh, the Proverbs are replete with this theme, this topic. They just overflow. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Those who walk in His way are secure in their steps, right? Think of the, the, the significance of the fear of the Lord when you open this book, the Word of God. Reminds me of this verse. This is the one, the Lord says, to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at the word of God? There's two pieces to this. Do you tremble in dread at disobeying his word? You should. You should. And at the same time, do you tremble with delight with the opportunity through Christ to obey his word? Reverence and awe. Worship and obedience. They go hand in hand. The fear of the Lord. This is a radical change of perspective from the fear of man, isn't it? Fear of man, it's all about me. Fear of God is all about him. Fear of man is a trap, it's a snare, it's a web, it's a slavery. The fear of God is freedom, and joy, and life. Hmm. But Jesus, what about my life? Like, what, I mean, what if I am persecuted? What if I'm attacked? What if I'm imprisoned? What if I am killed? What comfort is there for me in the fear of God? Here's Jesus' encouragement. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. You see the, the comfort of the fear of God? That's how this connects. This is the, the bridge. This is how you move from fear Him to find in him comfort. He knows you. He, he, he will never forget you. He cares for you far more than you could ever even imagine. He has you in his view such that at any moment along the way, he can tell you with precision the numbers of hairs on your head. Is that something you can do? No. People sometimes think that God doesn't concern himself with the minutia. Jesus has a little bit of a disagreement with that. It's not hard work for God. He loves his children. He, he, he loves those who look to him in fear and reverence and awe. He delights to father them in love faithfully and care for them. Sometimes we hear this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I, I agree with the first, I don't always agree with the second. God does love you. He loves you. He knows you. And through Christ, He, he owns you. He, you're His child. You are His forever. No one will snatch you out of His hand. But His wonderful plan for your life may be a little different than the uh, definition that Joel Osteen gives. For the disciples, it was death. All but one died. Jesus is preparing them for this right here. But he's saying, even in death, he won't forget you. There are far worse things than dying. He holds you in life and in death. I love the Heidelberg Catechism statement on this. I just always think of this when I come to passages like this. The question is asked, what is your only comfort in life and death? I love that question. How would you answer that question? Here's a great answer. My only comfort in life and death is that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own. 
but I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, has fully satisfied God's wrath for all my sins and delivered me from the power of the devil. And he so preserves me that apart from the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Ah, goosebumps. That should, that should comfort you. When you find yourself walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are never alone. You are never forgotten. You are led in that path by the good shepherd. And your cup runs over. In life and in death. Paul celebrates this crescendo in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You see the ownership here? You see the, you see the reality? This is what it is like sometimes to follow Christ. In all these things. In death, persecution even. We, my friends, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am sure of this, that neither death nor life, angels or rulers or things present or things to come, nor powers, nor, nor height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see why Jesus is speaking this way? He is giving the greatest ground, foundation, comfort to his disciples as he prepares them for the days ahead. Now let's finish these last few verses. Unashamed to stand with Christ. Unashamed to stand with Christ. Verse 8, Jesus says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Oh, man, these warnings. This is a loving, grace-filled warning. And it's given to disciples. It's given to us, followers of Christ. It's a real warning. If you deny me, I will deny you. If you're ashamed of me, then I won't speak in the presence of the angels on your behalf. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. How precious is Jesus to you? When you wear the label Christian, is it just a label? Does it, does it, Reach to the level of your soul such that you could say in death and in life, I'm his, I'm his. Do your worst. Are you afraid to be known publicly as a Christian? Friends, there is increasing pressure that we have to own and not shrink away from. We have to own it. And not just privately, publicly. Own it. We have to shine. We have to stand. We are preparing to enter into a darkness. It's, it's, just watch the news. It is an inch away. The church will either fall apart or shine brighter than ever. You have to make the choice. Will you stand unashamed to be counted with Jesus Christ? Hmm. Where do we find the courage to do this? You may be reviled. You may be called a hypocrite? I thought, I thought Christians were supposed to be loving 
to everybody, right? In fact, I'll just say, Desiring God posted a, a podcast about homosexuality. It was clear, it was biblical, it was precise, it was loving, it was filled with grace, it pointed to the gospel, and the comments, the comments that just flooded in of attacks and disagreement. Oh, how dare you say this? You know, the suicide of, of all of these people, that's on your head, and just boom, 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 boom. And I'm thinking to myself, these people subscribe to the Desiring God website. These people are in churches like ours. We have to be willing to stand publicly and embrace Christ and stand for Him to endorse and celebrate coming out day is to suggest that sin is righteous. And I think that there's a place for us to stand and say it's not. And publicly so. For love of your friends on Facebook. For love of your neighbors. For love of your own family. Hmm. This is where I'm at. I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed. Jesus Christ is my life, my only hope, my deepest joy, my greatest treasure, my purpose each day, and the single most defining reality of my life. He saved me, and I want the world to know him. I wholeheartedly embrace God's word as the absolute truth, seeking to joyfully obey him. I will not apologize for one word in this book. It's good, and it's love. I live my life for his glory. And when he decides my days are done, that's his call, right? <laughs> he owns me. He will bring me home and I will see Jesus face to face and I will be with him forever. I'm a Christian and I'm not ashamed. We need more of this in our day. Don't shrink back. Oh, so much of scripture was written to encourage church that was facing increasing persecution, and the call was, don't shrink back. Don't be ashamed. Don't deny him to save face. Cling to him. and Let them do their worst. Fear him. Don't fear man. Jesus goes on, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And we're like, I thought the sermon was done. I mean, wow, this, then there's this. This is one of the most enigmatic, difficult statements of Jesus in the entire ministry of Jesus. There's all kinds of, of speculation about what this sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is and and man, did I ever commit it? What do I do? And when Peter denied Christ three times, these words had already been spoken. And he was forgiven. Christ prayed for him. And he was forgiven. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He was forgiven. I think this is what Jesus is preparing Peter here for. He's, he's, he's planting this seed. It's not hopeless. It's not lost. Don't miss this. We're weak. We're frail. We fall down. We mess up. That can be forgiven. Repent. Repent. Turn from your sin. Don't walk away. Don't harden your heart. There's hope for every sinner. But here's what you should never do. Harden your heart to the, the work of the Spirit of God that's pointing you to Christ and say, nah, that's not good. That's probably Satan himself. There's no Savior there. There's no hope there. There's no point. 
There is hope for the skeptics and the antagonists, and this warning goes to all who would blaspheme the Spirit. Here's what uh, J.C. Ryle described this as. It's a sin against the gospel itself to blaspheme the Spirit. It's a sin, uh, a willful declaration that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, the spirit of the abyss, satanic, and that truth is a lie and that Christ is Satan himself. Those who watched Jesus deliver that man from his demon possession and said what he did, that was Satan's work. That's scary stuff. It is a settled, willful rejection of the work of the Spirit. It is not a deficiency on God's behalf. God is not up there saying, oh, I really want to save him, but I can't now. That is not what this is. This is a stubborn, hard-hearted God giving you over to what you choose. Be warned. When you witness, when you, when you see and hear the proclamation of the gospel, you are accountable for what you have heard and seen. Hebrews 6 is a place to go and study more about these kinds of things. There's, there's revelation of Christ, work of the Spirit that's rejected, hard-heartedly rejected, and it is a dangerous place to be. And I fear that I even know a few people who are in this place. Grew up in the church. And then they mock Christ. And then he says this, Verse 11, and when, don't miss the when, you may circle that, and when they bring you before synagogues and rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or, or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Okay, what an amazing encouragement. J Jesus is, is giving preparation to his inner circle and he knows what they're going to face. He knows it. He's anticipating. It's coming, men. It's coming. You're going to experience this. Don't fear them. Look to the Lord. The comfort of fearing God. The gift of the Spirit. There's so much anticipated work, even Pentecost here in view, anticipating the filling of the Spirit, the, the comfort and the work that God would do, he's preparing them for persecution. And in many ways, he's preparing us for the same, right? Trust the Lord. It's, it's a tough thing to say, you know, how, what would I say if I was to stand like Martin Luther before this, this tribunal that could sentence me to death? What would I say? How in the world would I have that much courage? And the answer is, the Spirit of God within you will give you the words to speak in that very moment. He will lavish the grace for you to remain faithful. Point of the gun. Are you a Christian? What are you going to say? <laughs> in your own strength? That's a tough one. Spirit of God, yes I am. Yes I am. I'm His. Death is temporary. I live forever in Him. Friends, it worked. <laughs> it worked. These men, the, the, these men who heard these words from Jesus stood boldly and preached. They preached without any uh, flinching. They were not unashamed. They boldly went and they laid down their lives. And here we are today because of that. Dependent, unafraid, and unashamed. So our response this morning, how do we put these words to work in our lives? Well, I, I hope that there are a variety of ways that the Lord has kind of opened your eyes to the fear of man today. Everybody, everybody can put this to work. Where in your life do you feel the tendency, the instinct to pull up the mask and pretend and impress and make it about you? Would just call us all here, fear God, fear God.
That is the way, that's the remedy, that is the way through the fear of man. To overcome that, lock eyes with him. Remind yourself of who you are in his work, in his eyes. And be you in Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then what you need to do is run to him. Run to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. Fear God today. Fear the one who could take your life and send you to hell and run to him in his gracious and loving provision of life and forgiveness in Christ and you will be saved. You will be saved. You'll be forgiven. And you will live forever. You will not have to fear the fire of hell. Run to him today. Fear God. These are some terms that I think could describe us. Dependently courageous. We, we're not courageous because we look within. We're courageous because we're locked on him, right? We're, 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 we're focused on him. We know where we're going. You take my life if you want, but you can't kill me, right? We are fearingly unafraid. Fearing God, unafraid of man. We are mortally invincible. Sure, you can take my life. That's all you can do. I'm invincible. You're invincible, Christian. Think about that. You're bulletproof. Ha! Love that. Friends, we can be submitted and free. These things seem to contradict, but they don't. To bend your knee and bow to the Lord is to find the place of freedom that you have never imagined. That's my dream for us today. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would make these things more true of us than ever. We give praise to you for your greatness and glory. We, we, we thank you that you have made a way for people like us here, broken, rebels, sinners, people who have transgressed your law, to be forgiven, to be brought into your family, to be loved and, and forgiven of all of our offenses and, and washed clean in, in Christ and then set free to obey. We thank you for the, the, the identity that we draw in this, the security that we have, Lord, the comfort of fearing you. And we pray that it would lead us to great boldness, we pray that it would not hinder anything, that we wouldn't hold back, that we would never be unashamed of you, that, that we would be willing to speak up, speak out, to stand, be bold with the hope and the forgiveness that we know. Lord, give us wisdom and courage. We want to be innocent and wise. Father, we want to be bold and gentle. We want to be courageous, tenacious, and humble. Lord, we thank you that through the work of your Son, the worst that we could even imagine is the loss of our own lives and the entrance to be with you forever face to face. We thank you that through Jesus we can be invincible. We pray that we would live that way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.